Awesome. Thank you, Jace. Man, everyone give it up for Jace. She's amazing. Jace uh, has been coming to youth group now, what, a little over a year? Yeah, and she just like went for it. She, she came in. She is a leader that not only is, is high capacity, but is high quality. And so everything that she does and, and puts her hand in, you know that she's glorifying the Lord through what she's doing. I mean, crazy. She's running like businesses, well, a business, but I don't want to pluralize it. But she's, I mean, it's awesome. She's amazing. So talk with her if you want to be inspired or just cheered up. If I need a little pick-me-up, I'll just like, all right, Jace, talk. And then she'll just cheer me up. So she's awesome. Well, welcome. We are so glad that you are here uh, at, at Vineyard. My name is Ian, uh, Ian Ray, and I I do. I, I mentioned this earlier, but I serve here as the youth pastor and also as a small group pastor here. And I feel like the Lord is, he, he's gearing to go. He, he's ready. He's already been moving this morning. I feel like he has um, just things in store for us. So we have a lot to cover. So we're just going to, we're going to go for it. I'm, I'm super excited. But one thing I do want you to hear, again, if it is your first time, we are so glad you are here. And if you hear one thing, it's that, that song, Reckless Love, that, that you are loved. Like, you are so, so loved. And maybe you've never actually felt or experienced that love. And I just ask that you, t- t- I know it's weird for speakers to say this, but just tune out my message and just hear one thing. You are loved by the creator of the universe. And you are loved so much that he would send his son for you and, and you, like individually you. Maybe you've never had one person that has sacrificed or done a single thing, but God did for you. In John uh, 14, it it says that uh, Jesus is is saying and he's speaking. He says, I live because you live. So Jesus is living and he lived and he, he died and he rose again for you. And so please hear that. You are loved. And we are so glad that you are here. Now, I, uh, as a youth pastor, I have some strange experiences, uh, which are self-imposed, I must admit. Um, Weird youth events and just strange, strange happenings. Uh, We had a Christmas party a couple of years ago at my house, and we did a white elephant gift exchange. And really, it's kind of just, it's one of those gift exchanges where you just like bring whatever, right? And so I remember there was one gift in particular that no one wanted. Now, nod your head if you've been to a, a gift exchange and you're like, you know the gift that no one wants, right? Well, this one this year just happened to be a glass rooster, okay? It was like it just, I, I don't know why it was brought. It was probably one of those things that they got from like last year's white elephant gift exchange, but they needed to pawn it off the next year. And so they bring it, and it's, we're kind of exchanging, and, and students are, like, pawning it off. Like, we don't want it. We don't want it. And I think one of our leaders ended up with it, correct? Any youth, if I'm looking? Who knows? I think a leader did. Or maybe it was one of the students that pranked me, and uh, we'll talk about it later. But what happened is everyone leaves at my house, and someone else had got the, the glass rooster, and I go you know, long day of, you know, having a, a fun Christmas party with students, and I go to lay my head on my wonderful, comfortable bed, and you will never guess what met me in the comfort of my bed. It was the rooster. It was the rooster, yes. So, and I was like, well, who got in here? Like, how is this here? But it was there, and so I took the rooster, and I put it up on my dresser, and I just left it, and I left it there for a year, 
And then I moved about four months ago, and you'll never guess where that glass rooster still sat. It was on the dresser. It hadn't moved. I'd completely forgotten about it. And then I moved, and I realized, like, oh, yeah, I remembered this, this gift that uh, not I had been given, but been pranked with so kindly. And I realized, like, okay. So then I moved and moved all my stuff, and I put it in the exact same spot that I had it in my other room where I uh, just put it on my dresser. And you will never guess where it sits currently today. Any guesses? It's on the dresser. I haven't touched it. I haven't moved it. It is there on the dresser. And I just was reminded of it when I moved, and it was one time in a year. Otherwise, it just sits there. And a, a couple weeks ago, I received another gift. Uh, it was a gift that meant a lot to me. It was a, it was a Bible from one of our staff members, and, and she gifted it to me, and I, I love it. And I've used it every day since I've received it, and I love this gift. I was so thankful. It was one of those gifts that I felt the Holy Spirit on when, when it was given to me. And here's the thing. Here, here's the reason I, I share that. Uh, you know, rooster, Bible, whatever. What you do with the gifts you've been given directly, directly relates to your appreciation of it. I didn't appreciate the glass rooster. I didn't. I, I, I put it on the dresser. It was a weird gift. But this gift that I really liked, I've used and I've implemented it into my life and I've used it each and every day. Because the gifts that you're giving the gifts that you're given and that you receive, how you use it, what you do with the gift. Do you put your gifts on the dresser or do you take it and you implement it into your life? And so today, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about spiritual gifts in particular. And so I just want to pray and, and invite the Spirit to keep doing what, whatever he's doing. So Lord, we just, we thank you for the opportunity to, to, to come and, and just be in your presence. And we just ask that you would have your way. Would I get out of the way for you to take my place? Let the words of my mouth not be my own, but let them be yours. Stir in our hearts. Equip us. Display what gifts we even have inside that you have so graciously given. Let us use the gifts that you've given, and let us not put it on a shelf or a dresser, but let us use them in our day-to-day -day lives. We're thankful in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're in a series called Empowered, and we are talking through the spiritual gifts. And we have had just an amazing, amazing couple weeks with four weeks ago, our executive pastor, Adam, kind of uh, just setting the foundation for the spiritual gifts. It was, it was awesome. It was amazing. We had a guest speaker come in a couple weeks ago named Tony, and he talked about, you know, uh, the gifts, but specifically in, like, using it and doing it out of love. We're called to... to to express the spiritual gifts out of a place of love. And then last week, Jericho Jones uh, shared, and he had just amazing, amazing points of, of stewarding our story and, and what it looks like to walk out the gifts in our, in our lives. And so as I'm, I'm sharing, a, a lot of the things I'm saying are, are, you know, bits and pieces, and you might have heard it before, but the reason is is because I feel like the Lord has it for here at Indie Vineyard. And so it's, it's beautiful as we, we press into the spiritual gifts together. So the question is, the question lies, what are, what are the spiritual gifts? You know, what, what are they? And if you've been here the past couple of weeks, you know. If you've been around Vineyard, you know, we, we talk about them. We, we like them. We're about them. Scripture is about them. Jesus likes them. The Holy Spirit loves them. Now, spiritual gifts, they are essentially gifts or, or, or abilities, but don't hear that as like super superhero abilities. We'll just, they're, they're gifts that God gives to believers for service in the church, for, for the body of Christ. 
And they actually all come out of a means of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was sent by, by the Lord. It is the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, because he sent his Spirit as Jesus left the earth, what's crazy to me is Jesus is like, I'm actually going to send someone who's better than me. And this person that's better is the Holy Spirit. And I think Jesus is a pretty cool guy. Like, if you know him, you know that he is, he's, he's pretty awesome. But he's like, I'm actually going to send someone better than me, and that's the Holy Spirit. And he's, he's going to empower you to live out your life. So here he goes, you just wait till he comes, it's going to be awesome. And now we're living on the side that the Holy Spirit is, is here and present. And as we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive him. And, and how beautiful that we get to walk out the gifts that he's granted and so I believe today that God has a next step for you in regards to the spiritual gifts. That you're going to walk out and you're going to say, okay, I actually now have a next step. Like I know what I'm, I'm going to work on this week. And I believe the Lord has at least one step for you walking away in regards to the spiritual gifts. And so we're going to just dive into scripture. If you'll pull out your Bibles, uh, we're going to go to the book of, of Romans. And we're going to pull kind of three principles out of Romans 12. All right, so we're in Romans 12. Verses 3 through 8. And I encourage you just, as, as you're being aware, just kind of focus on, all right, which, which ones can I work on? And it'll make sense as we, we keep going. So a little context of Romans as you're flipping there. The book of Romans was written by Paul to the church in Rome. And the theme of, of the overall book, it's, it's essentially a revelation of, of God's judging and saving righteousness in the gospel of Jesus. Uh, Romans is a book that you can study for really the rest of your life. It's very, very uh, beautifully rich with theology and understandings of God and Jesus and, and what he wants us to do. But we're just going to unpack a very small part. And this one specifically, uh, a lot of scholars will call this as uh, marks of the Christian community. So we're focusing on marks of the Christian community. So this is Romans 12, verses 3 through eight, and I'm reading out of the NIV translation. This is what it says. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we... Though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now this passage, is, when I was reading it, it's pretty broken down into three sections. So we can, we can look at it as we go through that, that verse three is kind of like the first section, right? He's talking about uh, don't think of yourself more highly, right? And then verse four and five is kind of the next section where it talks about the body of Christ. Kind of talks about the body we serve as different parts, which uh, you might hear in, in other passages in regards to the spiritual gifts, even in, in 1 Corinthians. 
then we can break it up from verse 6 to 8, and it's kind of like specific gifts, right? It's saying, you know, if you prophesy, then prophesy. If you lead, then lead. Show mercy. Do it cheerfully. And now it's important to hear that there are, uh, there are many, many different gifts, and this is no, in no means like all of them. This is just one that I felt like the Lord highlighted for us to, to kind of go into today. And so as we read through this, this passage, we, we get to recognize, like Paul, right at the beginning, he, he recognizes that a gift specifically can immediately deal or, or lead to pride. Like if we have gifts, we have awesome, if I roll up in a Rolls Royce, it might be like, I'm not going to, nor will I ever, maybe, but we'll, we'll see. Um, but when it comes to, if I roll up with, with a Rolls Royce, I'm probably going to have a little, like my chin's going to be a little higher because that is a nice car. Um, but here's the thing, when you are given gifts, it can so quickly lead to pride. It can so quickly lead to us puffing up our chest and thinking that, that we're better than because we, we possess these, these gifts. And then it goes on and, and we see that, that there's this unique measure, this measuring of, of God has distributed gifts to you according to, to the faith that he's given you. So hear this, that God has appointed gifts and actually given each and every one of you gifts. And he said, here, th- this one is yours. I- I'm going to give this to you. So as we kind of just go through this passage, a couple principles to kind of, kind of break down in regards to the spiritual gifts. First, that we see here right at the beginning in verse 3, is that the gifts are to be protected. The gifts are to be protected. And here's what I mean by that. He- he's saying you need to protect the gifts. You need, you need to protect them. Now, from what? Pride. We need to protect the gifts from pride, from, from getting ourselves higher than, than we actually should be, thinking that, that we are elevated because we possess these certain gifts that make, you know, really cool stories and really awesome testimonies. And all of a sudden, we get prideful. Now, you keep hearing this word, and I know a lot of us uh, know what pride is, but, but the definition of pride, what is it? Pride is a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. And, you know, pride, it's, it's the birthplace of all sin. Like in the garden in Genesis 1, uh, the enemy came to, to Adam and Eve as a serpent. And he essentially said, hey, you can actually be as good as God. And here's how you do this. You know, you can... Grab this fruit and eat it, and then you'll know good and you'll know evil. Pride is the birthplace of sin. C.S. Lewis, a theologian, he also wrote uh, Chronicles of Narnia. He kind of says that, that pride is, is almost at the root of all sin. Like pride is us, us elevating ourselves. And so how do we, how do we combat pride? What does it look like to actually go against it and not get prideful when we kind of regard the spiritual gifts, and it's this, it's humility. You know, just like the, the opposite of fear is love, the opposite of pride is humility. And when we hear the word humility, I know for me, it's oftentimes me thinking like, okay, well, I need to kind of lower, I almost imagine that there's this plane and I need to like get on the ground, and that's me being humble. But C.S. Lewis, same, same guy I was, I was just talking about, he describes humility this way. 
He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. That's good. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And so we're called to actually think of ourselves less, like get ourselves out of our head. Like be, just because we have these spiritual gifts doesn't mean we're, we're great, we're, we're awesome, we're, we're above anyone else. And Tony a couple weeks ago talked about that, about we, we do it out of a place of love, not, not of pride, not of elevation. But there's actually a second side of pride. If I'm honest, I, I've seen it done. I've seen it happen where people are walking out the spiritual gifts and they kind of get a big head on their shoulder. But there's actually another side of pride. And I think this side of pride is actually going to be more, more relevant and prevalent to, to us. There's another side of pride where we actually lessen ourselves so much below our actual place. Here's what I mean. The second definition of pride, and I mean, I'm talking like Google, you don't even go deep. Just the top one is probably Wikipedia. The second definition of pride is consciousness of one's own dignity. Dignity is, is knowing your own worth so, or, or value, so let's, let's change that. The second definition of pride is consciousness of one's own worth or value. And here's the thing, we're actually being prideful if we say that we're not worthy of having any gifts. Because he has actually sent gifts, and he has given them to you. And he said, I have sent my Holy Spirit for you to walk out in the world, and here are the gifts. And you're looking at the God of the universe, and you're saying, no, 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 no not me, I'm not gifted. No, 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 not, not me, I can't do this. We saw this in the story of Moses. And what did God do with Moses? He still used him, even though Moses came to him and said, no, no, I can't speak. And he said, well, you're about to speak in a whole lot of people. And I'm going to give someone with you to, to kind of walk it out. And so there is an element of pride where we have actually taken what God has looked and appointed and given us. And we've said, no, 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 God, I'm, I'm going to take control here. And I'm going to say, I, I don't have any gifts. And that's pride, too. So there's two sides. They're saying that, that I'm, I'm greater than, and there's also saying that I'm actually less than we actually are. There's two sides. And as I've walked with people and talked with people, that, that side of, of, of pride, I think, is so often that we, we, don't, we don't believe what God says about us. We don't think we're actually worthy of being loved because of things that we've done. But here's the thing. This book and, and Jesus himself says that that's not true. He says, I love you because I love you because I love you. I don't love you because of the things you've done. I don't love you because of whatever it may be. And we're, we're taking control onto our, into our own hands. Now, words, words hold power. And what used to happen for me is when someone would compliment me, they would say like, oh, you did a great job at the message or you uh, did, did awesome with worship or whatever it was. And I would just immediately go, oh, all Jesus. All Jesus. But if I'm honest, if it was all Jesus, he would have done a whole lot better job than I did. You know? Like, he would have done a lot better than I did. And so I realized that I was taking this compliment. That, that words hold power. They were complimenting me. And I was taking these powerful words. And I was then taking power into my own hands and saying that, okay, well, I'm actually going to, to take this and defer it when all I have to do is say thank you. That's it. Just thank you. Thanks for the compliment. Yeah, Jesus might have used me, but, but we play a part. 
Like we play a part when God uses us with our spiritual gifts. And if we refuse to play a part, we're actually going against the calling of God that we are called to go and play a part on this earth and further his kingdom, further the gospel, further people that are broken and lost finding Jesus. We are Jesus' first game plan. He said that I'm going to send you to go. Now, Jesus, again, he could have stayed and he could have said, okay, I'm going to do the work because I'm, I'm a pretty good preacher. I'm going to do the work because I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at, at uh, people, you know, teaching and, and, and understanding and, and leading. But he said, no, I'm actually going to give it to you, a bunch of fishermen. He chose us. And the way he chose us is he imparted the Holy Spirit, allowing us to walk out in our spiritual gifts So the gifts are to be protected. As a, as a rapper uh, once said in one of his songs, sit down, be humble. That's what he says, sit down, be humble. So we walk in humility. The gifts are to be protected. Now the second principle that we see in the passage is, is from verse 6 through 8. So we see like the individual gifts. As he's saying, you know, prophesy and, and mercy and, and, and give, uh, give, excuse me, give generously. It's this, the gifts are personal. The gifts are personal. So in other words, God has given personal gifts to each one of us. You know, verse 6, it it starts with him describing a bunch of of different gifts. Now, like I said, this passage in particular, it's not the, the whole, like, it's not all of them by any means. So how many gifts are there? Now, most scholars, you know, biblical scholars would agree upon 18. They're like, there are 18 spiritual gifts. Now, some go as far to say that there's 27. So it's, you know, it's kind of like back and forth, where are we at? I don't really know. Um, but some, you know, some people include hospitality as a spiritual gift. Some include celibacy as a spiritual gift. But it's pretty agreed upon that all throughout Scripture, right, if we go to, to Romans, if we look at uh, Ephesians 4, um, which Jericho talked about last week. If we look at 1 Corinthians 12, there, there's, there's many different places in the Bible of spiritual gifts, and, and most people would agree that there's around 18. And so it's important to, for us to hear that, that gifts, spiritual gifts, they're not transactional. Like, it's not, it, it's not just like, I used to look at it as, okay, I became a believer, and then he had this, this hand of gifts, and he just kind of placed it on my heart and said, all right, kind of steward this well, good luck. I wish you the best. But as we express our gifts, we're actually being a reflection of the creator who gave us the gifts. We're actually walking in the earth and saying, hey, here, here is what our God looks like. He is loving. He is merciful. He is a God who, who knows all and sees all. And we get to actually tap into that in regards to prophecy. Now, we see in part and we hear in part. But we get to tap into a God who is all-knowing and all-seeing. And we get to partner with him as a displaying of his characteristic to the world around us. And so it's not just transactional. We actually receive them from a person, and as we walk it out, we are a reflection of that very person that gave it to us. It's not about the gifts, it's about the giver. The giver of the gifts is who we are embodying, and we're walking out in the world around us. So now, if it's not transactional, right, you know, it's not just like all of a sudden we can, can look at at the, the gifts that he's kind of placed upon us, how do we find our spiritual gifts? 
And I grew up in a church that always talked about spiritual gift tests. I mean, all the time. And I took them constantly. But every time someone asked me what the result was, I could never tell them. Like, I, I, had, I didn't know. And, and, and here's the reason. I, I, I was taking these tests, and it was becoming head knowledge, but I wasn't putting them into application. Like, I wasn't living them out. I was saying, okay, I have this gift, but if gifts aren't being used, they're just going to be put on the shelf and remembered maybe once a year when you move. So we are called to use the gifts, to put them into application. And one thing I don't, I don't, again, spiritual gift tests, I'm not against them. I think they're a really great starting point. So don't hear that I'm against them by any means. But one of the problems with spiritual gift tests is we're actually looking at ourselves the way we see ourselves and not as God sees us. We're saying, wow, I'm gifted in this area or I'm not gifted. If you struggle with pride in the way that you say I have no gifts, those tests are going to be pretty confusing. But if we look at it the way the creator of the universe actually sees us, then we get to walk out accordingly. That we don't, we actually get to partner with, okay, God sees this gifting in me and thus I'm going to use it for those around me. And so very quickly, I just very, very quickly, I want to go through the list of the spiritual gifts. And I'm not teaching on, on these because we would be here a very long time. Uh, but I'm just going to kind of list them. So if you have your phone, feel free to write it down for your notes. I, in my notes, I kind of unpacked each one with like the Greek and Hebrew words, if that's your thing, um, and the uh, verses that they kind of come from. So if you're like a studier, you can go on our, our website and you can find the notes and, and read through them. Again, I'm not going to read all of them because it would become a classroom and we would be here a very long time. Um, but the gifts that are kind of agreed upon are, are these. There's the gift of administration, okay? So it's like organization, the gift of administration. There's the gift of apostleship. Those with the gift of apostleship kind of plant new things. They, they start new things. They're often leaders of leaders or pastors of pastors. There's the gift of discernment, which is the Holy Spirit actually gives the gift of discernment to enable certain Christians to, to recognize and kind of distinguish between, you know, the world, the flesh, what is God, what is Satan. Like we, we get to walk in discernment. That's the gift of discernment. There's the gift of evangelism. Now, not to be confused with, um, there's, there's all, there are evangelists, and then there's the gift of evangelism. We're, we're all called to evangelize. Like we, in Matthew 28, it says, go out and make disciples of all nations. Like Jesus has commanded, it's called the great commandment. We're called to share about Jesus. But there are some people that have the gift that are, I don't want to say better at it, because it's something that you can practice at, but maybe more natural when it comes to to sharing about Jesus. And they're given the ability to kind of break down the gospel of Jesus, to share it. Uh, they're able to overcome the, the fear of rejection and, and engage non-believers in meaningful conversations about Jesus. There's the gift of exhortation, the gift of exhortation. So that's, that's encouragement. If you ever want to be encouraged, go around someone with a gift of exhortation and you will just leave feeling so loved. Like, man, I am a cool person. They, they encourage. That's their gift, the gift of exhortation. There's people with the gift of faith. There's people with the gift of faith. And the Holy Spirit, he distributes this gift to some in the, in, in the church to encourage, to build up people in their confidence in God. Just recently, uh, I was in a small group a couple, uh, it was about, it was a week and a half ago, and 
I, the Lord shared with me that he gave me the gift of faith when I was a kid. And I never would have said I had the gift of faith. I was the person who, when someone said, well, I just trust God. And I was like, I love that, but I want to read all the books about him so I can know and understand. Like, that was me. I wanted to, to learn the history, and, and, and that, was, that was me. But those were just like, no, I just, he's awesome. He's, he's great. He's good, and he is. But I, I, I walked a journey to get there, right? It was a journey for me. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and certain of the things not seen. And so he shared in me, uh, he revealed to me that I had the gift of faith when I was a child. And I actually believe that someone needs to hear this today. Like someone here in the room actually needs to hear this promise that the Lord shared with me. And I'm now sharing it with you. And you can grab hold of this for yourself. And what the Lord shared is that I actually instilled hope in you that when you didn't see a relationship that, that, that was good in your life, I instilled hope in you that it would one day come. Like, I, I felt like I was going to receive it. Before I even knew that God had the ability to fill that void in my life, he instilled hope. He gave me the gift of faith to say, I'm going to someday. And so I was never, never hopeless in that regards. And so God wants to instill in you a gift of faith. Maybe it's a relationship that you're currently in, or it's a lack of relationship with, with you and a, and a mother, or you and a father, or or as parents, you and your child, and you're like, I, I, I don't know wh- why this is the way it is. But you have this desire, and the Lord wants to meet that desire. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you the gift of hope and faith in that relationship. And don't hear that, that we go to, to unhealthy relationships. Don't hear that we, we re-enter into to harmful or, or abusive relationships. But do hear that, that God wants to instill hope in you and faith in you that if you let him fill the desires of your heart with him that he's he's like that is enough him filling our desires is enough and what i found is oftentimes when it comes to that is it's just not how we imagined it it's not how we pictured it as we continue with with different gifts there's the gift of giving there's the gift of giving there's the gift of healing the gift of interpretation, it's understanding and explaining uh, messages that are uttered in an unknown language. The gift of interpretation, oftentimes uh, the interpretation of tongues. There's the gift of knowledge. It's just understanding, like God has given you a, a deeper understanding. There's the gift of leadership. There's the gift of miracles. There's a gift of, of pastor and, and shepherd that you actually want to shepherd people. You want to walk with them in their struggles. There's the gift of prophecy. And the Holy Spirit, he gave the gift of prophecy for, for us to understand God's heart, to, to make it known, to edify the church, to uplift other believers around us. There's the gift of service, those who love to, to fill gaps, Right? That's it, like, I just want to serve. I just want to help out in whatever way I can. There's the gift of teaching. Those who are equipped to teach the word of God and, and understand it, and they just love to study. They love to sit down and, 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 and kind of incorporate and understand the word of God in their lives and, and teach it to others. There's the gift of tongues. 
The, uh, there's two different types of tongues. There's kind of your personal prayer language, and then there's uh, a, when you're actually speaking a, a language of a, a different country. There's the gift of wisdom, and it's a deeper understanding. So those are uh, kind of the gifts that, that most agreed upon, and, and if you didn't get those down, you can go to my notes on the website. And there's a lot. There's a lot. So why is this important? Those gifts are personal. In other words, if one of them I just listed, you have at least one of them, if not more. The gifts are personal because God has appointed you with one of those gifts. And you might hear those and say, well, that, that doesn't make sense. Like, I don't feel like I'm equipped in any of those ways. When us believers, when we serve in the area of our giftedness, we function less in our own strength and more in the power of the Holy Spirit. And through that, ordinary people can accomplish extraordinary things by, by the gifts that the Lord has imparted to us. And then finally, the, the next principle in this passage is from verse 4 and 5. And it it says that, that we're part of a body. We're made up as, as the body of Christ, different members, right? And it's this, the gifts are for people. The gifts are for people. They're meant for people. First Peter 4.10 through 11, it says that each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The gifts are used for service. They're meant for others. The, the gifts are meant for people. We're not just supposed to keep them inside. We're not just supposed to, to talk about them. They're, they're meant to be expressed in the context of people. It's not, about, it's not about my glory. It's about people. It's not about Instagram followers. It's about people. It's not about, about me being right in regards to the gifts. It's about people. It's not about those people being wrong in regards to the gifts. It's about people. The gifts are for people. They're, they're, they're meant to be expressed in the context of, of community with, with one another. So the three principles, the, the gifts are to be protected, the gifts are personal, and the gifts are for people. Now, I said that, that God had specific next steps for us today in regards to the spiritual gifts. And I believe it fits into each of these categories. So a little caveat, if you, um, we're going to have kind of some graphs very quickly up on the screen, and feel free to, to take your phone and, and take a picture, or if you're online, you can, uh, you can screenshot it. And for anyone who's OCD, um, the, uh, it is kind of halfway on the screen so that Terry's able to continue interpreting to our stream. And for you guys here, you'll be able to see it. Again, it'll make sense, but... For anyone who is, I just want to put that out there. It's halfway in the screen. So if we look at it like three circles, so there's three circles, these kind of three ideas. It's protected, it's people, and it's personal. Protected, people, and it's personal. I believe that uh, our next step is the one that we feel the least equipped in. It's the one that we don't feel the best about. So if you look at it and you're like, man, I, I just need to acknowledge that I have gifts, or I, I need to acknowledge that... Um, I, you know, I need to protect my gifts, or I need to find people to express it with, or I just need personal uh, understanding of what gifts I have. It'll make, make sense here as we continue. Romans 12, at the beginning, it, it talks about uh, humility, lowering ourselves of pride, right? And there's two sides of pride. There's us not believing we have any gifts, and us saying that we're actually better because of the gifts that we have. 
And so maybe you're saying, like, I don't feel like my gifts are protected. So maybe this is what you focused on, focus on is, is humility. Then, then this is you. Like, I'm not being humble. Okay? And that, that sounds very intense, but it's just I'm, I'm not being humble. And there's two sides to humility, like we just said. So we either need to, to, to kind of step down or we need to step up, but I'm not being humble. And so maybe you, you feel like you have the people part down. You have your personal gifts that you understand, but, but you've not protected your gifts. This is you. I'm, I'm not being humble. Maybe, maybe you feel like you don't know your personal gifts. You're like, okay, I'm with people, the whole pride thing I'm, I'm good on. Um, I, I'm, I'm in community. I'm, I'm serving in some capacity. But you don't feel like you know your personal gifts, right? It's a classic Venn diagram. We, we have the people. We have the protected. That walked out as I'm not being myself. That walked out as I'm not being myself. And, and what that means is you're actually letting those that are around you decide what gifts you're living out in community. You're saying, I'm going to fill the spots and spaces that this person maybe wants, but you haven't actually understood yourself and the gifts that the Lord has appointed you personally. And so you're actually walking out in gifts that you're not meant to because you've never understood what gifts you have in the first place. So maybe that's you. You're like, man, I, I don't really feel like I'm, I'm myself. I, I don't know how God has hardwired me in regards to the spiritual gifts. Or maybe you feel like you, you don't know your people. You're like, okay, the humility thing, like, I'm, I'm good on. Or, or the, the personal piece, like, I know my gifts. Like, I know I'm a leader. Or I know I'm a teacher. But you don't feel like you have your people. You feel alone. Then, then this is you. I'm not doing much. I'm not doing much. You're like, I, I, I'm, I'm just not really doing a whole, whole lot because it becomes this, this self kind of intrusive faith where you, you know the gifts that, that you have and you're walking in humility, but you don't have any place to play. You don't have any, any position to, to express them. And here's the thing. These all go together. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a circle. You can walk with humility. You can protect your gifts. You can uh, find your people. You can know your personal giftings and it like continuously goes around and around and around and and it's it's not that one is is greater than the other but i found that that oftentimes we we struggle with with getting even like one of these maybe two of these or even possibly all of them now if you're walking out and you're experiencing the three like you're like okay i'm I'm walking in humility i protected my gifts you know your people to which you express the gifts in and you know your own personal gifts this is you i'm empowered you're like, I am empowered. I'm living an empowered life. I'm living it out according to, 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 to Romans 12, that you protected your gifts. You know that you're a part of a body, and you know your own gifts. You're, you're living in empowerment. And God has, has a next step for you today. If your next step is personal, if you're like, I, I really feel like I'm lacking on the personal piece, then you need to discover your gifts. You need to just, just uncover them, like learn about where you are gifted because you may be ca capping out how much God is going to use you by not being aware of where you're gifted. Now, I know you're thinking, you're like, well, Ian, you just said that uh, you don't like spiritual gift tests, so how do I find out my, uh, my gifts? One, take a spiritual gift test. It, it, that is okay, all right? Please hear me. You can do that. But one, one way is maybe you don't have really people that know you. You don't really have people who know where you're gifted or where you're not. 
And so if you feel like you don't have people or you feel alone, then your next step, if your next step is to work on people, then find your tribe. Find your people around you. Find your tribe. Now, people, they can be in two different categories. You can, they can be people that you pour out into, and they can be people that pour into you. Okay? They can be people that pour, you pour out to, and there can be people that pour into you. Because if you have an inlet but no outlet, you become the Dead Sea. If you're only being poured in but you're never being poured out, you just become dead. You become really buoyant, really salty, right? You're just like, oh, I'm receiving, but I have nowhere for it to go. But what about if you only have an outlet but no inlet? You have no one pouring into you, but you're just pouring out. Then you become dried up. You're like, there's no water here. And so we're called to both pour out and be poured into. And so find your people that are pouring into you and pouring out. If you find your tribe, then you'll find your calling. So Chris, Chris Valentin, he says that. Find your tribe, then you'll find your calling. And you might be thinking, well, Ian, like COVID, this is, like, this is, this is tough, and, and, and I recognize that. Now, small groups here, they are a great way to, to get plugged in, to, to find your people. And it might take a couple swings, and that's okay. Like, get plugged in. Find your people. Find your tribe. Or if you're watching online or you're not even comfortable joining in, in smaller groups, we have a group that's starting up tomorrow that's meeting exclusively on Zoom. And it's a small group just meeting on Zoom, and that could be your people. You could, you could use that as a way to find your people. And maybe... Maybe you look at the graph and your next step is to protect. You're like, well, I need to protect my gifts. Then this is your next step. You need to walk in humility. You need to repent of pride. You need to either say that I was given gifts by God or you need to say, wow, I've, I've elevated myself because I have these gifts. Repentance, this word, it's a changing of your mind. It's a transformation, changing of your mind completely, renewing your mind. It, it says that in Romans 12 right before this passage. Repent of pride. And so I'll go ahead and invite the, the ministry team up. And band, you can, you can come, come as well. So you might feel like I need to work I need to repent of pride. Or you might think, as I, as I was sharing, man, I need to find my people. Or you might think, wow, I want to discover my gifts. One of those, and I encourage you, just work on one of those. Just work on, on, on one of those things today. Now, Death, Death Valley is about 150 miles wide. And it's this bowl in the earth, and it gets its name because it's the hottest, driest, and deadest place on the earth. Sorry, not on the earth, in, in the nation. Sorry, that would be a desert. But it, it, in the country of, of the United States, is the, is the hottest, driest, and deadest place. It's 150 miles wide. And what happens, because it's a bowl, it creates this convection effect where it can actually reach up to 200 degrees. Now, that is extremely hot. Nothing there can live. Everything there is dead. And so this is what Death Valley looks like. You've probably, you've probably seen it, but this is Death Valley. It's, it's super dead. It's, nothing's alive. It's extremely hot. Now, this is what Death Valley looked like up until 2004, where all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there was this torrential downpour of rain. And I mean, it, it poured. It just absolutely 
deeply poured, and it, and it came upon Death Valley, and it rained, and, and it usually doesn't see rain. And after the rain here is what Death Valley looked like. Wow, isn't that beautiful? And, and here's the thing. All of a sudden, these, these flowers erupted from the earth. And those seeds, those things, those, those, those seeds that were inside of the earth actually were unlocked and brought forth. They produced life, but they required water to come to the surface. And it was so instrumental that scientists had to rewrite the science. No longer could it be considered a place of death. The rain from heaven came to earth and actually unlocked the gift that existed inside of the earth. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to unlock gifts that are inside. He wants to come and say, I'm going to awaken gifts in you. No longer, when, when, when the Holy Spirit truly comes, no longer will the church be considered dead. No longer will the church be a place of boredom. No longer will the faces of people be stagnant. But rather, the gifts of the Spirit that exist inside you, each and every one of you, is actually re ready and waiting to be unlocked. A baptism of fire and water of the Lord, the Spirit of God, wants to unleash things inside of your soul. And out of our church, Indy Vineyard, imagine this. What if Indy Vineyard starts looking like Life Valley and not Death Valley? What if we are alive? And I believe this happens by the watering of the Holy Spirit. And actually, him unlocking the gifts that exist inside of us. What if we had to rewrite the story of this church, or even of this city? Because all of a sudden, they're walking out gifts that have existed inside that they didn't even know were there. So let's, let's walk it out. Let him uncover. Let him awaken the gifts that exist. So your next step, it, it may be to discover your gifts. It may be to find your tribe. It may be to repent of pride. Something I said might have stirred up within you. Or you might have even heard that and you just say, I just want my gifts to be unlocked. I want to look like a valley of life and not a valley of death. You may be feeling uh, uh, the Lord and, and just feeling something stirring in your heart. And what I encourage you is don't leave without getting prayed for. Come forward, receive prayer from your neighbor, ministry team. Let them just lavish love on you through prayer. Let them just let the Holy Spirit awaken gifts that are inside of you because I believe there are gifts inside waiting to be woken up. And so Holy Spirit, we just invite you and we just even ask that you would awaken us in such a way that we would walk out looking like a valley of life. Let us breathe life in those that were around because we know the gifts that exist inside by your Holy Spirit. Let us walk out this week, even if it, focusing on, on, on one of these circles, that, that we would come to living out an empowered life. And then as we live out an empowered life, those seeds would just be unlocked, not only in us, but in our small groups, in our church, in our friends, in our communities. And God, even for those who don't feel like they have community, would you just appoint people in their lives to be loved on, to pour into them? Holy Spirit, we invite you. Awaken us. Awaken us today and this week. In Jesus' name. So 
I encourage you, if, if the Lord is stirring something up or you want gifts to be a, uh, awoken in you or, or you feel like you need to do one of these next steps, do it. We invite you forward to receive prayer. Turn to your neighbor, receive prayer. You are, you are released. I bless you. Pray that you have a, a wonderful week. But I encourage you, if the Lord's throwing up, don't leave without being prayed for. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you.